Hi guys, welcome back to the Tone Deaf Hippies. I'm Sulema Wagner, and today we're going to be having a special guest filling in for my co-host, Vince Montenegro. My special guest is... Derek Wagner, Sulema's loving husband. <laughs> um, so tonight's episode is going to be on uh, David Bowie versus... Queen. And also, we're going to be discussing WandaVision for all those Marvel fans out there. Um, so, yeah, let's dig in, right? Yep, get started. Go? Yep. Okay. Well, um, we're going to talk about David Bowie first. Um, also, his real name is David Jones. Uh, he was born in, uh, in England in uh, J- January 8th, 1947. And he started his first band when he was only 15 years old in 1962. Um, his brother and, and, and uh, David were both big fans of uh, Little Richard and, uh, and Elvis and, you know, by a, lot of people, Little Richard. by a lot of people then were, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I knew. So, uh, style. they liked his music, they liked his style, they liked his moves. Um, you know, so they, he kind of started a band at 15, uh, kind of, uh, as his influence, using him as his influence. Um, he was really close to his brother. He was his half brother. His, uh, name was Terry and, uh, he suffered like in his early thirties from schizophrenia and seizures and he even had to be hospitalized. And when he was, um, he overheard his mom and dad talking one time in the hospital, getting scared, not for his brother, Terry, but for him, for David. Um, Because apparently schizophrenia ran in his family on his mother's side. Uh, Three of his aunts had it. One of them had even had a lobotomy. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. So one of his uh, his aunts had a, a lobotomy, Jeez. and uh, and now his brother had been institutionalized, and so um, it was happening to him. And I don't know if that kind of sped up the process, just being scared of that that that's your fate, that that runs in your family. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of sped up the process or something. Um, but he started seeing stuff and hearing voices and it was killing him because it was right at the beginning of his career he wanted to make music he wanted to become a star and he was fighting against himself you know against his mind Mm -hmm. um so it was really hard and scary uh this is around the same time too that like i said he was starting to become famous with you know uh with the man who sold the world and uh also amazing song that's one of my favorite songs ever um this is around like the whole space era too you know so a lot of his songs were about space and maybe it did have to do with the whole space era time you know the the 60s and everything late 60s um but also he felt like an alien he just 
didn't feel like he was from here or that anyone was like him just because you know his illness his mental illnesses and everything um so he just uh, he just didn't feel like himself and uh, this is about the time that he got uh, the green light from his manager to well, or the record company to do a tour in America um, you know to go in and present himself and, and get it out there and stuff the only thing is that although his wife was an American citizen um, she they didn't do the paper right the paperwork right for him to come out to America and work out here he didn't have a work visa it was a mess so when he came out to do the tour he wasn't allowed to tour mm. you get what I'm saying yeah, so yeah. so what they the promoters were telling him well you're just gonna have to talk yourself you know talk yourself up so people know you and everything oh so just like interviews yeah pretty much just interviews huh. and he's like yeah, that's fine if I was a writer or something like that, but I'm a I'm a singer, you right. know, I have to sing, I have to do concerts, and they're like, no, you can't, you don't have the right work visa, so you're just going to have to sell it yourself by talking, and he was terrified because he was like, how am I going to talk about my life and everything when I'm going nuts, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't want people to see that part of me, and then the music just gets washed away because then they focus on, this guy's crazy, this guy's nuts. So, um, he wasn't doing very well. No one was taking him seriously. The people that were interviewing him, uh, would make fun of him, even to his face. Like, he was into miming. He was, yeah. He, uh, and... Look, there's David stuck in the box again. <laughs> yeah. And so, everyone would be like, oh, I heard that you do miming, you know, like, why don't you do a little bit for us, da, 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 you know, whatever. And they would make fun of him because uh, he would go all into it and do it and stuff, and they would just laugh at him. It was it was sad. Um, he was also well, he thought he was friends with Andy Warhol, which at that time Andy Warhol was the shit, you know. Um, and so he went to the factory, and uh, they they saw you know he saw Andy, he met him and everything, and. And he was wearing like this long uh, kind of kimono dress type mm -hmm, thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. He was really into the Japanese culture too. Um, and they were just like making fun of him. And he was like, oh, I want you to do a performance art piece for me and I'm gonna record it with your miming and this and that. And they made him do it and stuff, but they were laughing at him. It was like, mm. You think you know. that group of people would be exactly? Like, That's what I thought too. I was like, really, Andy Warhol? You're the one criticizing someone for being eccentric or weird? Know, like that's over. the weird pot calling the eccentric kettle yeah, black, right. you know? So um, it was sad. Uh, by the way, all this is in a really good movie that just came out uh, called Stardust. Check it out, guys. It's especially if you're a Bowie fan. It's really good. It's sad, it's good, it shows, you know, the, the like, background, you know, not behind the scenes, I should say, like, behind the curtain type of situation, like, what he was feeling, not and just... what he had to go through to get started. Exactly, uh, and what impact it took on his music, and why he wrote, 
you know, why he would act like an alien. Mm -hmm. Oh, another reason why he started doing that is because one of the producers told him, if you don't want to be you and you can't talk about you and your life because you don't feel comfortable, you don't want anyone knowing about it, make a a person, a person up, make a persona up. He's like, and I don't know why he chose, he's an alien, his name is Ziggy Stardust, and, you know, he's from Mars, he doesn't do interviews, so he got out of a lot of interviews after that, Mm -hmm. I think he got scarred from doing those interviews at the beginning of that tour, and he wouldn't do interviews after that, he was like, aliens don't talk to people, aliens don't give (laughs) interviews, yeah, he would say that. Um, Oh, that's funny. So he just got out of doing all that um and but a lot of a lot of the things that he contributed to like him being him and the way he was and everything in a good way was to uh, given to his brother terry like he acknowledged that from his brother terry a lot he's the one that introduced him to art and jazz and buddhism and beat poetry you know culture and um they were really really close and so when he started seeing his brother just deteriorate too that was killing him you know on top of that and he would put that into his songs um so what happened to his brother well he was institutionalized i mean he lived with it for the rest of his life like that but he was in an institution yeah eventually not eventually as soon as it happened he just Uh, he couldn't get out anymore that's why he was supposed to be going on the tour with him mm -hmm. his brother was um but he was institutionalized right after that and stuff um and so that's why i'm thinking it's sped up the process how, too. how old were they apart were they like close they were 10 years apart oh, in age. Oh, okay. yeah yeah Who's he was older? his half brother uh, he was david Dan, no terry oh, okay terry was older 10 years older okay. um yeah. and they were half brothers but they were really close so that's why his mom when she was talking to his dad that he overheard was like his dad was like well david's not like that david's fine and he's like so was Terry at that year, you know, right. at, the, at that age, but maybe he hasn't gotten there. So he knew it was coming, and I think that sped it up because when you already know what you're, and then you maybe think about yeah, it. Yeah, like you already know it. what your fortune's gonna be. You just right. think about that. You know, your mind works wonders, and yeah, sometimes in a bad way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, but he was a little eccentric, and you know, this is also the 60s, I kind of think this is the most woke generation that we had, you know, or time period that we had, because um, it was more about like, love is love, he didn't really ever say I'm gay or I'm bisexual or anything, but he was, Mm -hmm. you know, he had boyfriends, he had girlfriends, it was like, love is love. Um, he was married a few times. He yeah. was married twice. Yeah. Uh, the first marriage uh, that he had was an open marriage, uh, and it was he met this girl. She she was a model. Uh, she is a well, I think she's still alive. Angela Barnett is her name. They met in April of nineteen sixty nine, and were married um, until nineteen eighty. But their marriage was more convenience. It was never like a love marriage. Like even when they got together, she knew the right people. She was 
a model. Um, she wasn't born in the United States, but her dad was like in the military, so she was still considered a United States uh -huh. citizen, you know. But she had a London accent, uh, an English accent, mm -hmm. and um, did modeling mostly in the UK in the sixties. But she knew a lot of people. Um, she believed in him and saw they had talent, so they kind of got married for convenience type of situation. Right. Um, they wanted to be like both king and queen of the UK, you know, like mm -hmm. help each other out, that she yeah. was going to get her status up too. Um, but she was a great help at the beginning because she was the one doing all the costumes oh, and the makeup and everything. Okay. She's the one that helped create Ziggy Stardust. And Aladdin Zane, you know. Um, so did she do the lightning bolt on the face? Was yeah, that her? yeah. Oh really? That was all oh, her. Really? That was all her. Oh. Um, she did the costumes for the spiders for Mars, which is his wow. group, his band, you know. Um, and they would fight her on it a lot because it was kind of girly. Some of the stuff he wouldn't, but the guys in the yeah. band, you know, because they're like, I'm not wearing a pink spandex, uh, <laughs> you know, pink spandex. Uh, like low cut uh, <laughs> uh you know outfit or whatever but in the end they all did it and and um yeah so she was very important i think really important it wasn't about love or anything they did have a child together but they always would tell everyone this is an open marriage they would uh even have a relationship then together with other people right. you know um just so uh, the child of a boy or girl, you know? It's a boy. He's a director. I oh, really? forgot to write down his name, but mm -hmm. his last name. His uh, his alive. middle name is um. It's not Ziggy, but it's Zany or something like that. Like, uh, something, yeah, something like that. And it's his middle name. Um. And their last name still though is Jones. Uh -huh. They oh, never okay. changed it. Right. They would okay. call each other Mr. and Mrs. Bowie, but yeah, yeah. it was just a stage name. He never changed it. It was always Jones. So his last name is Jones too. But so he had a son with with him. Uh, he had a son with her. Oh. Sorry, with Angela. Um, he had two sons in total. I'll go to the next one when we get to the other marriage. But um, he. She also introduced him to Mick Jagger. Oh, really? In 1960, uh, in 1965, she introduced him to Mick Jagger. And according to her, he, like, David Bowie and Mick Jagger have never said yes or no. They never denied it or they never said it was true. But according to her, well, Mick Jagger... And David right. Bowie yeah, were in a heard, relationship together. Yeah. yeah, that they were in a relationship together. <clears throat> and at some point, the three of them were in a relationship together. So I believe it. It's well, just. It was a roaring, Well, and then, then another thing, um, what I liked, I was reading, is that David Bowie never really said, I'm gay, I'm bi, I'm not, I'm this, I'm that. Not because he wasn't those things or because he was those things, but because he already had so much going on with the whole mental thing. Mm -hmm. and so he wanted it to be about the music mm -hmm. and people to focus on the music. He didn't want to stand as like the representatives of the LGBTQ community right. or something like that, you know? Right. 
he was like, I'm just a person. I'm just trying to make music. It's not about what my sexual preference is. Exactly. So I like that, you know, he was all about the art and everything. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's a lot of what attracted him to Angela, too, that she was into, you know an artist too she was a model she was into the culture she knew right. about fashion and all that you know so he she really like helped him create his persona and everything and was grateful for that and they did they did love each other just not in love it right. wasn't like a in love kind right. of relationship or anything like that um but uh you know, and, and then later on, he started meeting a little more people and, and making collaborations with them, you know, like Iggy Pop, too, and uh, um, and one, another one we're going to get into when, when he did it with Queen, too, mm-hmm. you know, Under Pressure, yep. and the Dancing in the Streets with Mick Jagger, that was in 1973, but... Um, you know, and and what I liked about Bowie too is that he was always changing and never like if you hear his very early work, the Ziggy Stardust and Aladdin Zane time period, you know, so like late sixties, very early seventies, you got the man who sold the world, Life mm-hmm. on Mars, Starman, Space Oddity, which he wrote that because of. St- Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. movie and stuff. Um, Rebel Rebel, you know, a lot of those things were, like I said, space and, and alien and this and that, you know. Uh, he even did that movie. Have you ever seen that movie? The movie that he actually did, like uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth? Have you ever no, seen that? No, I may have heard of it yet. It's but a yeah. weird movie. Yeah. A he really also, weird he movie. He was also in the movie... Uh, Labyrinth. Oh, sorry. That was a popular movie. Labyrinth. Oh, what? Labyrinth. Oh, I, I saw that when I was looking up, but I've never seen that movie. Yeah. Huh. What's that about? I don't know. Magic and stuff. <laughs> oh, so it's kind of weird like that, too? <laughs> yeah, I think there's like a maze. You know, it's called Labyrinth, so there's like a maze and stuff. He's a bad guy. Surprised you haven't seen it. Mm-mm. Around your era. Well, I have not oh, seen it. For kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I did watch, uh, you know... The man who fell to earth in that movie was weird. So weird. Like, I couldn't really follow it. It was all over the place. I got the gist of it. I got what it was supposed to be about and everything. But it was just weird. It's like one of those movies like uh, Clockwork Orange, you know, mm-hmm. or, or um, just weird. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. to describe it. But And actually, he was a big fan of that movie, Clockwork Orange. Big, big fan. Um, uh, he likes Stanley uh, Kubrick. He, well, either that or just the movie itself, because he was always telling the spiders from Mars, aka his band members, like, "Oh, you know, we're a Clockwork Orange, we're a gang." Like every time before <laughs> he would go on stage and say, "Like we're a Clockwork Orange, we're a gang." Um, but he, that time period was really hard for him too. He was kind of he was doing a lot of drugs. Too. Oh, really? That was probably not helping his mental psyche a lot of cocaine and lsd and all that stuff you know um well when you're you know a big star like that all that stuff is always around yeah and it's the 60s and 70s you know that was like 
people were probably doing it in front of cops, <laughs> you know, at the bars, just busting out their vial yeah. and no big deal. So, um, that was probably not helping him either. So he was all messed up in the head at that time. And there was periods where he didn't know if it was like a dream if he was actually on stage performing or talking to someone or they weren't there. He was pretty messed up, you know, and, and he was hearing voices at this point already. Did you know? he get treatment for it? No. Did he do any no. you Because know, he felt like if he did, he, he wasn't really, going to come back out. Yeah, I mean, he never really heard anything about David you know? Bowie acting. Oh, he kept it like, under wraps. You know, I mean, because he just wanted doing it, that on yeah. your own, that'd be kind of hard to do. Yeah. And I think he did that because he wanted them to focus on the music and not just be like, oh, some crazy guy, you know. Uh -huh. But it was sad because he was all alone going through all that. And, um, yeah, he was pretty messed up. Um, but after that, you know, maybe with time and with fame and everything, he's probably stopped doing so many drugs and everything. He probably did get on some antipsychotics or something like that. Um because he, he was always like reinventing himself like from 1962 to 1967 his debut album and everything that's when they met uh, their manager John Bloom mm -hmm. the way he sold it to them he's like I'm gonna be the new Brian Epstein for you guys uh, for okay. like what he did for the Beatles yeah, I'm gonna do for, for you them. you know um and then 1968 to 1971, that was like space oddity to hunky-dory kind of time. Um, and then that's when he met Angela Barnett, married. Um, then 1972 to 1974, so this is with Angela's help already. Okay. And after the so-called tour of America, when he created Ziggy Stardust. That's only when he had like the red hair cut off yeah, yeah, yeah. the, you know, the kimono shorts and everything. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the lightning bolt yet. The lightning bolt part is Aladdin Zane. That's a whole nother oh, character. Oh. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother character. So then in 1974 to 1976, that's kind of when they did uh, Aladdin Zane and it was like Plastic Soul and the White Duke. Okay. 1976 to 1979, that's the Berlin era. 1980 to 1988 is the new romantic and pop era. Okay. 1989 to yeah, 1991. Yeah, like, uh, like, I think Modern Love and stuff. Like, yeah. Was in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was like that song. And that's when, you know, China Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Mm -hmm. And that sounds even more like new wavy kind yeah. of, you know. It went from very, uh, hippie-dippy, counterculture music to like new wave and, yeah. and pop and, you know, kind of like, um, 1989 to 1991, that's Tin Machine era. 1992 to 1998, Electronic period. And 1999 to 2012, Neoclassical era. And the 2012 to 2016 are the final years. Mm -hmm. So, he did a lot. He was always reinventing himself. Yeah, um, yeah, that's for sure. He did get twice he was married the second time he married uh another supermodel yeah. iman mm -hmm. she's from ethiopia is it i think so yeah 
they were married in 1992 until his death. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. they had a kid together, mm-hmm. so in total, he had two kids. Yeah. Um. I remember that. But yeah, that's that's it for uh, Bowie. For Bowie, but we could do a compare and contrast with uh, another very flamboyant gentleman from Queen, <laughs> who was also gay. Yes, but he kept it under wraps too, you know. Yeah, uh, Bowie didn't keep it under wraps. No. He just never admitted it to right. like because of the music, but he never so, kept it secret. Yeah, so for Queen, I'll just go over some of the history and the music and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, some of the soundtracks they did on films, which was quite a few. Oh, um, see how it's our daughter's favorite band. You just did. <laughs> you just did. I can't yes, it's it our daughter Bella's favorite band. One of her favorites. Mm-hmm. So, Queen, pretty much everybody knows who Queen is nowadays. They've been around forever. Um, they started in London in 70. Um, the lineup was Freddie Mercury, Brian May, Roger Taylor, and John Deacon. Those are the original, um, original performers. Ones. They were all smart. Huh? Yeah, they all were in college doing stuff. I mean, Brian May was going to be an astrophysicist or something like that. Um, but all the guys were, yeah, they all went One to was school to be a dentist, stuff. right? Yeah. And an electrical engineer. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Do you want to do this one? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I'm not as seasoned as you are in podcasting, so Sorry. I'm trying to go over my information here. Oh, I didn't even do but, any fun facts for my, because I was um, over here. That's okay. So I got to do fun facts for yours. Oh, uh, well, here's a fun fact coming okay. up. Okay. Before uh, forming Queen, May and Taylor had played together in the band Smile, which Mercury liked and followed the band. You know, they liked him. And one day he decided, I want to sing for you guys. They're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so that's how they, how, how he met up with the, with those fellas there and started. Um, oh, let's see. He joined in 70 and then he suggested the name Queen. Why? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, you do. Remember? Oh, you tell me. I forget. Because he said that there's nothing more outrageous than the queen. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So. Um. Let's see oh, here. why don't you say his real name? Who, Freddie? Mm-hmm. Farouk. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find where it is. I can't remember his real last name. Well, his real mm-hmm. first name is Farouk. Yeah, Farouk. He was, uh, he's not Pakistanian, right? What is it? Uh, no, um, I had just read that somewhere too, but, uh, like Liberian and something and over in there. I think he was Pakistani too. I know. I thought he wasn't. No, I think so. Well, if anyone knows out there, write in the comments, let us know. Apparently we can't <laughs> figure it out. Oh, right here. Uh, Farouk Balsara. Yeah, that was his real name there. Oh, he's a Virgo. Oh, like um, look at that. Yeah, he, he was That's actually born in right. in 46 in Zanzibar to Parisian and Indian parents. Parisian, yeah, that's what that's he is. Right, yeah. So, yeah, that's what... Um, and what year? 47? Uh, 46. Oh, oh he's a year, yeah. and a year older than Bowie. Yeah, yeah so they fled from Zanzibar 
moving to middle middle ex at, uh, England. So that's how you got you got over to England. Oh, hold on, let me interrupt really quick because I forgot to say this when when Bowie died. Oh yeah. So, yeah, because um, David Bowie died just recently. Well, not too recently, but six years ago, January tenth, twenty sixteen. So two days after his 69th birthday, he died of oh, stomach wow. cancer. Mm, what a way to go, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, that sucks. And no one knew he was sick either, so they have that in common, Freddie and him. That's but crazy. But Freddie was from AIDS. Yes, and we'll get to that too. Does everybody know that story a lot? Yeah. Because it's a movie and everything. And Oh, that's another great movie, too. Yeah. Watch Bohemian Rhapsody, guys. So, Stardust and Bohemian Rhapsody. We love musical biopics bio over here in this house, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we watch a lot of biopics. Yeah. Yes, we do. That is for sure. Um, so, anywho, uh, the founders met in West London during the late 60s. Guitarist Brian May built his own guitar with his father in 63 and formed the group called 1984. The following year was singer with uh, some guy he knew, another singer, Tim Staffel. Mm -hmm. And then he left that group and then he started in with a smile. Um... And then... I think it was called Smile, because one of them was going to be a dentist. I don't know if that was one of them that was in there, but it could be. Hmm. Um, let's see. Then while attending the uh, Ealing Art College in West London, um, Freddie, who was, you know, uh, Freddie Mercury, who was from Zanzibar and of India, Parisian descent, like we talked about, Let's see here. Then in 71, they came out with their first album. It was just entitled Queen. That's when they were together already, like when he officially joined. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's because mm -hmm. they lost their original singer, right? Yeah, that was a Tim Stuffle guy that was in Smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was so. better. They did better with Freddie anyway, Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. They were like nobodies yeah. with that guy. And in 71, that's when John Deacon joined. Uh, joined Queen. He was a bassist. Oh yeah, they were for him. Purpose, yeah. I remember. So they said he was a good fit, good fit for him there. Because of his big teeth, his big mouth. Well, no, I'm serious. Didn't he say that he had more range because he was he had extra teeth? Yes, he had. Yeah, but he not. Had extra yeah, that was John Deacon. That I was talking about the oh. bassist. Yeah, yeah, not Freddie. But yeah, he had extra teeth. That's why he mm -hmm. his. his uh, um, teeth uh, protruded out a bit. A bit? Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, so let's see here. Sorry, um, Freddie. Rest in peace. Uh, here's a little fun fact. Uh, in 72, Queen uh, began with a gig at Bedford College, London, where only six people turned up. Can you imagine? Oh, that's sad. Going from six people to playing in front of like hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, how, you know, how. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, at that point, like, ah, you know, we're not too good at this. Let's just, yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> good thing they stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, it said uh, after a few more shows, they stopped live performances for eight months to work on the album. Is that where he met Mary? 
Um, I'm not sure yet. I have to. Are you going to talk about Mary, or do I need to? You can do. You can do that part. But well, I don't he love met that part Mary as, as much. And right when he was about to join, and they were married, he, right? No, they were never married, They're but just, they were engaged. Okay. And this is before he knew he was gay, and they were dating, and he loved her. He really did love her. Like he would always say that that was his soulmate, the love of his life. You know, he right. just wasn't. It was just into guys, you know. But, but uh, he always took care of her. Always, he um, gave her an engagement ring right when they were about to make it big and stuff and he was planning on marrying her and stuff mm -hmm. he didn't even think he was gay yet or anything or or he wasn't admitting it at least and um and he went on tour and he stepped down on her a bit with guys mm -hmm. so then he opened up to her and he's like i think i'm bisexual but um he promised her not to ever take off that ring, ever, the one that he gave her, the uh -huh. engagement ring. And then when he did make it, he bought her a house, a mansion, right next door to her, like wow. right next door to him, so they could be next door That's neighbors. That's cool. And took care of her for the rest of his life. Even when he died, she was written in his um, will. Oh, okay. You know, right. His parents and, and her, because they didn't have kids or anything right. like that. Yep, so that was like his true love, his soulmate, but, mm. you know. It's kind of me how you just meet people like that, huh? Yeah. Just have your back. <coughs> um, I just saw something else here. It said uh, they could only record in Trident, at the Trident studio during downtime uh, when nobody else was using the studio, which was usually between 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. Oh, my God. Horrible hours. <coughs> yeah, I know, right? It said during the sessions, they saw David Bowie with the Spiders from Mars <laughs> live and realized they needed to make an impact with the album. Otherwise, they... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? That's funny, huh? Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's so funny how, like, people just... Uh, we see them as like, oh, you know, everyone's just famous and everyone's this and that. And they are inspirations to each other, you know, or sometimes even um, motivation, not just inspiration, motivation to become something as great as, you know, the, the other person. What they've become. Mm -hmm, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. <coughs> you know, everyone has that. No matter how big you are, you, you still have someone you listen to or admire or whatever you know that is true i mean there's just so much history on queen it's just it's so much that they did yeah there's just so much but crazy. they cross paths a lot with a lot of the same people they mingle with or styles of music or places they did this and that and you know so they have a lot of stuff they intersect with right <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, film soundtracks that they have done, too. So, uh, what was I saying about the, uh, studio? That they did a lot of songs for studios right. So, um, some of the soundtracks that they did was Flash Gordon, which is a great soundtrack if everybody's seen the movie. The movie's okay. Yeah, but the soundtrack is really good. Um, also, they did the music for Highlander, which was 
which was uh, just really great, which included Kind of Magic and One Year of Love and Who Wants to Love Forever, which was all just fantastic music and guitars and drums and I've just... I've never seen it either. <laughs> just really good stuff. Well, we gotta watch this stuff now, honey. So, um, they had set a Guinness World Record for, um, having hits on the chart for 1,322 days, which is a total, wow. which a total of 26 years of having music constantly on the, oh, wow. on the charts, yeah. Um. When did they get inducted into the... That was in 2001, they got inducted. Oh, boy, did too, that. around that time. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just saw something else about Bowie, too, on here, about how they collaborated on um, Under Pressure. How they met. Does it say? Because I was trying to find that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was looking for Because I know it. Under Pressure was in the early 90s, right? Like, 95 or something? Oh, yeah. No. 95. I have it right here. Under pressure in 1995. But I'm sure they probably knew each other before then. Yeah, but they were um, recording at the same studio. Or that's how they had met, too. Mm -hmm. But they've had um, musical theater done. They've had musical theater done. We Will Rock You. you know, Isn't that Bella's song. favorite song, We Will Rock You? One of them, I think, yeah, for sure. I thought that was her favorite song. Yes. And then, of course, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody about... about I love Bohemian The band, Rhapsody, I mean... Who doesn't love that song? A little bit more about Freddie Mercury, but it's about the band, too. I like that, that song, or that whole album, A Night at the Opera, is, you know, that they, they're kind of like how Bowie is, they they want to keep growing and changing they're not just those kind of bands that are just considered one genre right. that's all they know how to play that's it like you're grunge and that's it you're grunge like no there are everything yes they, they had a lot of different different yeah. types of music that's what i like i mean bohemian rhapsody artist. you know just look at that song how long <laughs> yeah. it was everybody's like oh Six no minutes. you're not gonna want to play it out on the radio and that's one of the most popular songs ever to this day. Yeah, to this day. They even, like, lost their uh, record producer over at Yeah, home yeah. Because he didn't want to do, want to do it, it as so I said, their Oh, well, single. let's see ya. I wanted to do I'm in love with my car. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's funny. <clears throat> well, these both are very eccentric and bigger than life kind of bands, you know, and, um, I think that's why they're like icons still to this day you know um, I think they paved the world for a lot of different artists right. to be to take more risk to just not be put in a box you know um, like a mime right, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah talking about mimes uh, it says so uh, Queen worked with David Bowie on the 81 single Under Pressure it was 81 well, I got it under 95. Yeah, well, I think Mercury. Freddie Mercury was dead in 91, so. Hmm. Yeah. So, in 81, Under Pressure, was a first-time collaboration with another uh, with another artist was spontaneous. 
as boy just happened to drop by the studio while there while Queen was recording. Hmm. Well, that's how it happened, yeah. So upon the release, it was you know uh, very successful, number one in the UK in October for that year. So I mean, even that, even just just running into somebody, hey, let's yeah. do a song, okay, and boom, it's a number one hit. You know, I mean, a just lot of both talented. A lot of artists have all talented started people like that too. You know, like look at Fleetwood Mac when Mick Fleetwood was in the studio at that Rinky Dink studio, um, you know, and heard. Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham playing in the background as he went to the bathroom and he was like I want him right, you know right. so sometimes you're just the right place the right time yeah exactly and uh, you get it I mean in the right place at the right time was one for Queen at the Live Aid concert it was one of the best and he almost concerts ever one yeah. because of his yeah, itchy was, little boyfriend that he was dating at the time that was just using him yeah plus he wasn't you know starting to not feel well then yeah too so but it was mostly because of the boyfriend he hid it from him because they were going through him remember right they would call everything through him and oh relay this message to freddie because the band wasn't really talking to each other no right uh, no at that period and um he's like yeah, yeah yeah i'll let him know i'll let him know he never let him know mm-hmm. until like two weeks before the show right or something like that and he's like you know what you're not good people get out of my life cut him loose he did the show and he met someone that he really loved and ended up being with this guy until his death right. and he was a good guy yeah. well yeah just well, you know if anybody out there listening isn't familiar with Queen definitely check him out and check out those movies and Bohemian Rhapsody and Stardust yes good biopics oh very good movies oh and here's another fun fact they were both movies were done by the same production company. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, how about that? Yeah, there's a fun fact. Another fun fact. All right. All right. So now what? <laughs> Wandavision. Wandavision. Who's watching Wandavision out there? Woo! I'm sure everybody is. For all the people that have Disney Plus and the other people that are using their friends illegally they're logging illegally don't tell people that on disney plus shut it down (laughs) okay for this one we're actually gonna have our daughter join in because she's a huge fan like us too she's been watching it every friday with us um we actually just watched the latest episode right before this so here is miss isabella wagner say hi honey Hi. All right, so let's talk about WandaVision. Now, the biggest comic book nerd in this family is Derek. I'm number two, and then Bella, number three. So, why don't we start in that way? <laughs> you tell us more because I, you know, the Avengers part of it. I don't. Yeah, join in with Daddy. Yeah, join in. Tell us where does WandaVision come from? Well, Wanda was an Avenger, and so was Vision. And I mean, of course, in the comics, it's a totally different kind of storyline than what's you know going on now. Is they have to get people familiar with the characters and that sort of thing, you know. So, mm-hmm. but kind of how in the one episode, um, I think number four, you saw them at Halloween time, 
in the costumes, and that's how like uh, you know Scarlet Witch looked, which is Wanda. Mm -hmm. Scarlet Witch looked as an Avenger in that kind of costume, like that, and then Vision <laughs> in that costume, he all kind of looked like that too, a little bit. It wasn't as refined as his costume looks, you know, nowadays. You say he looked like a Mexican wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was a luchador. Luchador. <laughs> so, which yeah. you're obsessed with. Mostly WandaVision started because after the Avengers Endgame, sadly Vision had died because Thanos actually was trying to take his Infinity Stone and Wanda had to actually kill Vision to attempt to save the universe. Right. Wow, yeah. I didn't even know that. Look at them comic book nerds. <laughs> yeah, she is our kid, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. But so the series is pretty interesting. It has a lot of it's new good. characters that it's that it's shown. It has a new uh, division, Sword, which is in partnership with like Shield. You know that same kind of Shield is ground, Sword is in space. So yeah, Sword was uh, created by Maria Rambo, right? Yes. And uh, she's Monica Rambo's mother. Mom, yep. Which Monica Rambo is the girl. Um, if you guys are watching WandaVision, she's the, the one that got, she got out, well, Wanda kicked her out of the force at the beginning, yeah, the I think it was like the agent, second yeah. or third episode. Um, so what has happened is that since Vision died in her grief, her moment of grief, she created this like universe, um, she, in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, it's in New Jersey. It's an actual town in New Jersey, but she kind of put everyone under a spell. And yeah, she took control and, of this like, yeah. whole town. And she took control over it, and she raised kind of everybody's... Not really erased their memories, but put them in a trance. They're kind of all playing a part, yeah. you know? And, so and they don't so. know what's going on. At least and that's so what they want you to think, maybe. Right. You know? And she's making it seem like, um, like a comic book. I mean, like a sitcom. Um, telling her life and everything. And I think the reason why it's being done in that way too is because like for example they got married in 1975 in the comic books vision and wanda mm -hmm. so they're trying to bring that back so if you notice like when they got married it's in the like early 60s mm -hmm. and then it goes to the okay. 70s and the 80s and 90s right now we're at the 2000s they had their twins in 1986 in the comic books that's why when the twins were being born mm -hmm. it was like 80s style like family right. matters yeah, yeah. Like I said. um so let's see it's uh wanda maximoff and uh vision it's in sitcom style in new jersey um they do have kids uh it turns out to be twins billy and tommy they are in the comic book and they actually have their own powers mm -hmm. and they're going to be the next league, you know, like the next right. coming up league or whatever. Billy is, has powers like Wanda mm -hmm. and Tommy has powers like his uncle, uh, Quicksilver, a Quicksilver. Yes. Thank you. Uh, which is Pietro Maximo. Um, and we're going to get on that. And also... What? If people don't know, Magneto is their father. Their dad. Magneto's their dad. From X-Men. Scarlet Witch's father. Oh, yeah. 
But, um, okay, so the thing is that I want to talk about is in X-Men, uh, Quicksilver is played by Evan Peters. Right. And in the Avengers, X-Men is played by, um, oh my I mean, god, Quicksilver I forgot to write, by... I mean Quicksilver, I forgot to write the guy's name. Yeah, that's a guy from the movie Kick-Ass, and so I can't remember his name either. I'll get back to that, or I'll put it in the comments. I forgot to put down his name, but it's played by another actor, uh, the guy from Savages and all. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, they there's a lot of uh, like uh, what's it called conspiracy theorists out there, you know, that are saying that Evan Peters is playing Quicksilver on purpose on this sitcom or this show, whatever. So that it looks like that's why she keeps saying, Why do you look so different to her own brother? Why do you look so different? First of all, he was dead, he was killed in the Avengers. Yeah, brother. The age so of she's Ultron. Like, yeah, so she's like, Why is my brother who's dead back? And B, it's not the same guy. So she's like, that, What's going on? So one of the theories was that S.H.I.E.L.D. actually put him in there to like her sword, a sword. Sorry, <laughs> why do I keep saying S.H.I.E.L.D.? Sword. Oh, that one you knew about sooner. Probably. <laughs> so this one just came out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they, so Sword put him in, supposedly, to, like, keep tabs on her and just kind of bring her down from the inside or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, another theory that they're saying is that it, it has more to do with, like, the logistics behind it, like, um, the MCU, which... Um, used to be owned, I guess, by, uh, used to be owned by, like, Fox, I think, um, Sony and Fox, that's mm -hmm. what it was, yeah. and then Marvel Studios became its own self, kind of like DreamWorks, and they did a merger with, you know, Fox and, and Disney or whatever, so then now they're putting him in there. The third theory is that um, the reason why he's in there is because it's kind of setting up the scene for comic book um, characters to cross over. They're also saying that Fantastic Four is going to be making a cameo oh, because, really? nice. yeah, because um, since Wanda is doing this whole like uh, world with the Force and everything, the microwave background radiation is what's giving it setting the the, the storyline for the explanation of fantastic fours mm. their absence and when they come back they're going to have new powers too really so yeah. that's another one of the theories that they're seeing <clears throat> um let's see oh another theory too is that since tommy and billy are growing up so fast in this story you know they're like a baby in one scene the next seen they're like 10 years old they're growing up really fast so they're going to be the new superheroes pretty soon on this show too and since their dad is vision which is an android wanda actually had these kids through magic through magic that was taken from um the demon what is his name what is his name where did i write it Mephisto? Oh, yeah. Mephisto? Yeah, Mephisto. Mephisto. Yep. And I guess he's like the devil in hell. 
and yeah. she took the magic from him to make these kids and he wants them back so that's gonna be help to pay yeah <laughs> no no pun intended but uh uh also if you guys just watched this last episode i hope there's no spoilers coming up or anything but agnes is going to be she's a villain she's Agatha Harkness but they're saying according to Agatha, the Agatha, Agatha, Harkness. Agatha Harkness thank you they're saying also with the conspiracy uh, that she's actually Mephisto or whatever oh, coming really? back for the oh, kids to get them. yeah and that's why she, she took the kids right now in this episode and she can't find them mm. she's trying to take them back um, also Vision knows what's up Vision knows his wife created this universe now. Uh, the previous episode, not tonight's, but last week's, he was trying to cross the the force field and he couldn't. He just he was stuck. And so what Wanda did, because he was gonna die, is she expanded the borders, the perimeter. Mm. She she took a lot of people in too, a lot of uh, sword employees yeah. and. Um, just innocent people because she wanted to save them again. Yeah, <laughs> turn them into clowns and funny things. So. And actually, uh, Monica, if you don't know who she is, she's part of Sword, and she's been in, she's been in the new world that um, that she has made. And now she came back in and her DNA is like switching up and everything and now she's gotten powers. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to get um, her to stop this world to let the people free. Yeah, yeah, so we don't know what her powers are yet, but it looks like she can resist Wanda's Yeah. somehow, for sure. That's pretty cool. But, um... And yep. who knows? I'm excited to see all the crossovers that they're going to be doing. That should be I, pretty interesting. You know, I wonder if they are going to bring like Fantastic Four in there. Mm -hmm. If it maybe some X Men are going to be coming in. That'd be nice. You know, um, but maybe that's why they chose uh, Evan Peters to do to do it. You know, so it could yep. be more seamlessly or something. Who knows? Maybe none of these are true. They're, they're just conspiracies that people who are fans write online. Hoping so, for yeah. this or that. Or, yeah. <laughs> or maybe they are. Who knows? But I thought it was pretty interesting, you know, with knowing that her kids were made from this mm -hmm. magical thing yeah. in hell. Now she's back. You know, things like that. Um, but yeah, you guys need to check out that. Yeah, it's that really interesting. Series. It's pretty cool. It's really good. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like the first uh, superhero movie that I think is, or not movie, it's made into an actual series, but the first one to be made into a series instead of a movie, and it's really funny. Yeah, too. it is. But, um, yeah, I think that's it. Do you have anything else to add, guys? Nope. You guys? No? Good. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our, our uh, episode tonight. Um, we're, you know, hoping that Vince comes back soon yeah, so Vince. we can continue this. <laughs> and because Derek doesn't want to do it, obviously. But um, we did the best we could. And uh, and that's about it. So Thanks, everybody. Have a good one, guys. We're the Tone Deaf Hippies.